Bible reading today is from John chapter 6, verses 1 to 59. John chapter 6, 1 to 59. It's a very long passage, so I'll do my best to um, read it clearly to you. It's on page 865 of your Pew Bibles. Okay, John chapter 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Peter, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go amongst so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat walking on the water and they were frightened but he said to them it is I don't be afraid then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading the next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples but that they had gone away alone then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, 
Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, always give us this bread. Jesus then declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I've told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's made headline news for the last couple of years, hasn't it? Inflation soaring, interest rates rising, and the cost of living is hurting. So much so that the Prime Minister Albanese has broken his stage three tax cuts promise in the name of making uh, and bringing the cost of living relief to low and min income earners. Uh, and despite this week's inflation data coming in cooler than expected at 4.1% instead of 4.5%, people aren't sighing a, a breath of relief. There's still a long way to go. Uh, as you can see from the photo on the screen. Uh, what you can buy for $20 now is about half of what you could have bought a few years ago. In fact, the cost of food is so, still so high that the Albanese government has ordered the ACCC uh, inquiry into the supermarket sector uh, amid concerns Australians are being ripped off at the checkout. But the reality is that we're all doing pretty well, aren't we? Uh, things aren't that bad for us here at our church. Things aren't that dire 
We're still able to uh, put food on the table and even head to the restaurant when we want an, uh, a, a meal. Because as Australians, despite the cost of living crisis, we only spend about 20% of our income on food. And so even when things might be a little tough, we, have, uh, we still have three square meals a day and hardly go a day wondering where our next meal is going to come from. And our problem is more along the lines of, uh, should I cook tonight or get some takeout? And so when we come to a passage like today's, and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It doesn't resonate with us in the 21st century as it would have if we lived in Palestine in the 1st century. You see, unlike the 1st century Jews, we don't have to even bake our own bread to survive. We can go to Baker's Delight or Laurent. Uh, Coles or Woolworths. We could have baguettes uh, today and white bread tomorrow. We could choose from saldo or brioche, ciabatta or uh, focaccias, a multigrain or wholemeal, Turkish bread or Vienna bread, the world's our oyster. We're spoiled for choice and the likelihood of us going hungry is close to zero. And so when Jesus taught his disciples to pray for their daily bread, it doesn't resonate with us like it should because we're having eggs and bacon for breakfast, laksa for lunch, and steak for dinner. And yet for the Jews of the first century, it wasn't like that because they spent 85% of their income on food as opposed to our 20%. And if that sounds far-fetched, it isn't because it's still the case for some people today. So the other day I read an article that said that most Nigerians, the poorest of Nigerians, said they spend 85% of their income on food. Imagine that. Imagine you had to spend 85% of your income on bread and staple diet. And so as we come to today's passage, the significance of Jesus as the bread of life mustn't be lost to us. Because if we put ourselves in the shoes of the first century Palestine, uh, Palestinian, bread isn't just food. If you were spending 85% of your income buying food and sardines, food, bread, is life. To have someone give you bread is to give you life. Without bread, you wouldn't survive. Without barley or wheat, we could die. When there's a drought, prices of wheat don't just go up. We go hungry and starve. We don't have food to eat. And so when we come to today's passage and Jesus feeds feeds the thousands with five loaves and two fish, they're, they're over the moon. Just as we would be if we were them back then. Not just because they had a good meal and had their stomachs filled, but because Jesus was providing them 85% of their income. Jesus was giving them security. Jesus was giving them life. Jesus was doing something for them that no one else has ever done for them. And so it's not surprising that they want to make him king in verse 15. But as we continue to study John's gospel, we'll see that Jesus is going to be, isn't going to be a king on their terms, but a king on God's terms. For he came not to do his will or the will of the people, he came to do the will of God the Father. And so Jesus evades them, even walks on water in verse 19. But that didn't stop the people, the crowd, from looking for Jesus. Because they believed that if they had Jesus, like, uh, they would be like us today. 
They wouldn't have to worry about their next meal because Jesus would be their vending machine, as it were. He'd give them their daily bread and they won't have to ever experience hunger again. He'll secure for them an 85% increase in their income and they won't have to worry about food again. But when then they find Jesus in verse 25, he's not impressed by their efforts, is he? In fact, he feels sorry for their labors. Have a look at verse 26, what he says to them. Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. That is, Jesus is saying to them, you've missed the point of the miracle. The miracle is a sign. You don't understand the sign. You're only thinking about your stomach. But you have to think about what it means. And so what's the sign? Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that is Jesus himself, will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So what Jesus is saying to the crowd here is that there are two types of food. There's food that spoils and there's food that endures to eternal life. The food that spoils is a food that you work for, food that you earn, food that you buy, food that you eat and drink, food that gives you an energy boost so that you can go between meals. But this food is also food that rots if you leave it out for too long, a food that spores if you don't cook it in time, food that satisfies but for a few hours at best until you get hungry again, food that doesn't last. But there's another type of food, food that endures to eternal life, food that lasts forever, food that never spores, food that doesn't go off. It's food that you can't earn, food that you can only receive. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures <clears throat> to eternal life. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, if you could fill up your car with one tank of petrol just once and never have to fill it up again, wouldn't you love that car and choose that car above all other cars? Uh, if you could have one drink and you'll never thirst again, you could walk through the desert and not dehydrate. You could play tennis all day and not get thirsty. Wouldn't that be a drink that you want? And so what do you think the people would say in response to Jesus after hearing about these two types of food? Food that spoils and food that endures to eternal life. Which one would you want? What would you say to Jesus? I'd hope you say, give me that food that endures to eternal life. After all, they've, they've seen Jesus feed the thousands. They've heard Jesus walk on water. And so you'd think they would say to Jesus, give me that food that endures forever. But look at what they say instead, verse 28. What must we do to do the works God requires? So the Jews do want this food that endures forever. Their natural instinct, though, is, well, I want it, how do I earn it? What do I have to do to get it? That is, they don't understand grace. They can't believe that you can get something so good for free. 
It's too good to be true. I must work for it. I must earn it. I mean, we can understand that, can't we? Because most things in life, we have to earn it. We have to work hard for it. We don't deserve it. Things aren't too good to be true. In fact, that's the heart of most religions. So in Islam, if you follow the five pillars of Islam and do more good than bad, at the end of your life, Allah's going to balance your good over your bad. And if you've done enough good in your life, then you've earned your place in paradise. You've been good enough. Islam is merit-based. In Buddhism, if you follow the Eightfold Path and be a good person, then you'll eventually reach nirvana through a series of reincarnations. And if you've been good enough to do that, then you've earned it. You've been good enough. It's merit-based religion. But what does Jesus say? What does Christianity say? What does the gospel teach? The complete opposite. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can only receive it. It's not by works, it's by grace. If you want the food that endures the eternal life, all you have to do is believe. Verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Isn't that wonderful? Now it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? How can you just believe and get eternal life? Well, the crowd is wondering the same. And so they ask Jesus in verse 30, well, give us a sign. Prove it. Prove it that it is that good and that it's true. Show us proof that we don't have to earn it, that we don't have to work for it, that all we have to do is to believe in you. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he gives them a sign. He gives them the proof that they need. Not by doing another miracle, because he's not their genie in a bottle, doing what they demand. No, what he does is something even better. He opens up scripture. He points them to the words of God in Exodus chapter 16. Now, you probably know the story of this, don't you? You remember how God saves Israel, his people, from slavery in Egypt and brings them into the wilderness towards the promised land, but they don't have food. They have no crops to harvest, no food to eat, and so what does God do? God promises them food. God promises that he will not just deliver them, but provide for them. And so every single day, he, he rained down from heaven manna, bread from heaven would fall from the sky in the morning. They'll get up and it'll be everywhere. And all they'd have to do is pick it up and eat it. And they'll have their stomachs filled. And so every single day, they would go out and pick up manna and eat it. And this manna was manna that they didn't earn. Manna that they didn't need or bake. Manna that they didn't pay for or barter. Manna they didn't work for. But manna that they were given to eat by the word of God by the promise of God. 
when they were completely and totally helpless, living in a desert, unable to provide for themselves. And they would have been as good as dead unless God kept his promise. They were completely reliant on God and God delivered. God faithfully and reliably provided for all they needed, manna in the desert every single day, day after day, year after year. Verse 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. You see, God gave them manna in the wilderness, manna that gave them life, manna that sustained them for their journey to the promised land. Manna they never worked for or deserved or paid for, manna they received from God by grace. And so now God is doing the same thing. God is giving them bread from heaven. But this time it's not literal food that fills an empty stomach that goes off the next day. No, even the miracle of manna was just a shadow of the reality that is in Jesus, the bread of God. God provides them with bread from heaven, his own son, the bread of life, who comes down from heaven, who will fill their spiritual soul of spiritual needs that will give them eternal life. Verse 33, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And the great thing is that they finally get it. They finally know that just like their ancestors of old, they can only receive the bread of heaven and not earn the bread from heaven. And so they asked Jesus in verse 34, Sir, they, they, they said, always give us this bread. And so Jesus responds in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, to have the bread of life, to receive eternal life, is to come to Jesus. And to come to Jesus is to believe in Jesus. And to believe in Jesus is to have eternal life. Verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This is bread. This bread is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. You see, this is the first time Jesus alludes to his death in the gospel. And it makes sense in the context, doesn't it? Because when you eat something, you eat something that's dead. We eat things that have already died so that we might live. So when you pluck an apple from a tree, at that very instant, you've become a murderer because you have killed that apple and removed it from its life source. But that apple dies 
so that you might leave. Or, or take fish as another example. We catch a fish and kill it so that the fish might die so that we can leave. Uh, you, you see, whenever we eat, substitution of life occurs. Something dies so that we might live. Death gives way to life. And so the next time you go to Maccas and order a Big Mac, just remember you're biting into dead cow, dead lettuce, dead wheat, dead sesame, and a lot of other dead things that are in that bun that we don't know about. But each and every single thing in that burger died so that you can leave. There's a substitution, either the apple, the fish, the bread, the Big Mac dies so that you can live or you die and they get to live. And here Jesus is saying, I will die. I'm the food that will die. I'm the bread that will die for you so that you can live. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll live. Verse 53, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up on the last day. Now this sounds gross, doesn't it? Sounds like Jesus is encouraging cannibalism. But of course, Jesus doesn't mean this literally. He's not asking us to find his body and start chewing on him. That's disgusting, but the reality is that some people think that. And so the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church for this is transubstantiation. That is, when they celebrate the Lord's Supper... They believe that when the priest presides over the Lord's Supper, the bread literally becomes the body of Christ and the wine literally becomes the blood of Christ. And so when you partake in the Lord's Supper for Roman Catholics, it's to literally eat Jesus' flesh and drink his blood. But that's wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches, and that's certainly not what Jesus is teaching. Because Jesus has already made it clear that this is not the Lord's Supper, and that Lord's Supper is not about that. Because he's already said in verse 35, what does it mean to eat of the bread of life? It is to come to him. It is to believe in him. You see, the Lord's Supper is symbolic, not literal. So you'll notice later as we celebrate the Lord's Supper that we feed on Jesus, not literally, but in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And so friends, if you've come to Jesus and believe in him, then know that he's your bread of life who has come down from heaven to die so that you might feed on him. He died so that you can live. But if you haven't yet come to Jesus, then let me encourage you to feed on him today. 
For as Jesus said in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You see, all religions will tell you, earn your way to salvation. Earn your place in paradise. Be a good person and you'll get your reward. But Jesus says you can't. Either he dies so that you live, or you will die and not live. And so come to him today. Let him be the bread of your eternal life. Feed on him and live. Amen.